grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message today, the gospel lesson we just heard from Mark chapter 5. Dear friends in Christ, William Gladstone was four-term prime minister in Great Britain in the late 1800s. And I'm sure that in four terms as prime minister, he heard plenty of wrangling and arguing in Parliament. And Gladstone famously said, one example, what practical example is worth a thousand arguments? And it was a Christian preacher who took that quote one step further and he wrote, one example is worth a thousand sermons. Now I'm hoping that that's not a commentary on the thousands of sermons I've preached in 38 years. But it's absolutely a great reflection of how it is that God makes faith grow. Now granted, faith has to start with knowledge about God and his power, about his grace and salvation. But faith doesn't grow until it's exercised in real-life experience and real-life example. And it's in those specific situations that the Lord Jesus says to us and invites us, as he did to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and you will not be disappointed. Our scripture said, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, he pleaded earnestly with him. What a contrast. From Mark chapter 4 to Mark chapter 5, between Jairus and the disciples we met in the boat last week in the midst of that terrible storm. Remember what happened? When they found Jesus sleeping comfortably and confidently in the boat, and instead of asking him for help, they accused him. They said, don't you care if we drown? And we know from their final comment after Jesus stilled the storm, they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We see the reason for their behavior. They thought that Jesus should just be another selfish and frightened human being like they were. They didn't think he had either the power or the compassion to actually help them. So what a contrast when we meet Jairus. His 12-year-old daughter was deathly ill. Jairus certainly knew that Jesus had power over sickness. Right in that very area, he'd healed the centurion's servant and the nobleman's son. Jairus had heard Jesus speak and teach in his synagogue in Capernaum. So the scripture says he made his way through this tremendous pressing crowd to find Jesus and to ask, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed. 
And you realize that's the beginning of faith. Knowing who to trust, knowing to whom to turn. And that's exactly what the disciples ended up learning in that incident in the storm. They learned that Jesus was the all-powerful, all-knowing God of creation. They learned that he was also compassionate and powerful. He had everything that they needed to help them. He learned that Jesus is the one who always does what's best for his people. And Jesus proved that to you and to me by his life on this earth, by his death for us on the cross. And so when we are in need, he's there. He's inviting us to ask. But sadly, how often don't you and don't I end up just trying to face our distress on our own. Christian author described it in this way. He wrote, I see Jesus standing at the door of a Christian's heart, knocking to gain entrance. I picture him with bruised knuckles. He has knocked on the door so many times that he is about to wear out his hands, and we just ignore the knock because we're too busy focusing on our own distress. How often don't we treat Jesus just like that? He's there. But how often do I just ignore his invitation? If you're anything like me, when that Lakeshore Chronicle shows up on the front porch, I go through all the grocery store ads because I don't want to miss out on a sale. But how often when I'm in distress do I simply miss out on the promises of God because I haven't been searching them as prominently as I want to search the grocery store ads. I end up facing my own distress by myself while Jesus is just standing there ready to help. Did you notice that when we read from Mark 5, there was an interlude we didn't read in verses 25 through 35. This little section is where Jesus tests and encourages Jairus' faith. The crowd around Jesus and Jairus was intense, Mark describes it. And as they were making their way to, back to Jairus' house, a woman approached Jesus who had a chronic bleeding disorder, Scripture says. And when she approached, Jesus stopped. He paused. Right at that critical time for Jairus and his daughter, and he paused to heal that woman. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Can't help but wonder if when Jairus heard those words, even though Jesus was pausing on the way, he was just saying to himself, oh, I know Jesus is going to speak those very same words to my daughter and she'll be healed. And then disaster struck. 
messengers arrived from Jairus' house, and they said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And when they got to Jairus' house, the customary mourning rites for a prominent person had already begun. Professional mourners had been called in, and they were crying and wailing and making a commotion. And when Jesus told them, the child is not dead but asleep, they laughed at him, Scripture says. And isn't that the truth? To believe in Jesus and his word, you and I often have to disbelieve the alluring skepticism of the world around us. That's really one of the themes of this gospel lesson. So when the messengers brought the news she's dead, what did Jesus do? He just kept on walking to Jairus' house. He told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. When he, the mourners laughed at Jesus' confidence, what did Jesus do? He threw the mourners out and he went right into the house where the child was. The hard truth is that the unbelieving world will never try to encourage in Jesus. In fact, most likely the unbelieving world will discourage your faith because they've never realized or experienced the power and love of Jesus. So when you express your confidence in the fact that the Lord has promised that he will do the best thing for me, at his perfect time, the best they can say to you is, well, that's nice. I'm so happy you believe that. Or maybe the worse. Who do you think you are? Get practical. Live, you live in a dream world. For them to try to comprehend the love and power of God, is a little bit like me trying to comprehend the talent of a world-class marathoner. I hate to run. I think I might be able to run a mile in maybe 12 or 15 minutes. A world-class marathoner runs 26 miles, averaging less than five minutes a mile. That's incomprehensible to me. And it's the same to the unbelieving world when they try to comprehend your faith in the Lord. And you know what? The unbelieving world has an ally in your sinful nature and mine. My sinful nature is always trying to convince me, Bob, you've got to live in the real world. Take things into your own hands. God is good for comfort, but you've got to be practical. God is good for Sunday, but you know, Monday is a different story. Clearly, to believe in Jesus means not to believe your sinful nature or the unbelieving world. And when we do that, we will not be disappointed. Jesus took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, 
little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Amazing. There's reason. They were all astonished. Power over death. But does this miracle leave you scratching your head just a little bit? Why this dead girl? Why not every other person who was deathly ill during Jesus' ministry? Why not my loved ones who died, right? Jesus has the power to do it. And the Gospels tell us Jesus healed multitudes. But not every single sick person who was alive during his ministry. Jesus only raised four people from death. This 12-year-old, the young man at Nain, Lazarus, and finally himself. And it's the Apostle Paul who tells us the primary goal of Jesus demonstrating his power over death. Paul writes to the Romans, Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So you're not trusting a nice man or a great teacher or a good example. Jesus, of course, is all of those, but so much more. He's the Son of God himself, the divine Savior who has both the power and the compassion to help you. If he has power over death, what can't he handle, right? He can and do what we need and will do what we need, including conquer death. Now, he may do that on earth. Have you ever come this close to a deadly accident? And we're spared? I have. Have you been healed from a serious illness that very possibly could have ended in death? That's the power of Jesus over death. That's the power of your almighty Redeemer. In fact, Scripture says he heals all our diseases. But realize, if he does that on earth, that healing is only going to be temporary, right? Something else will catch up with us. But finally, we have the promise of Jesus that healing is permanent and absolutely complete when we're in heaven with him. And then there's that curious note at the end of this scripture. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this miracle. Because Jesus' ultimate goal is not temporary happiness on earth, but 
permanent and complete and joyful happiness forever with him in heaven. And the proof of that is Jesus' concrete death. If he can do that, he can guide you into retirement. He can make sure and help you as you raise your children. He can take care of that career decision. He can take care of that frightening illness. He can give you the strength and sustain you by his promises. But this is where the sermon has to end. And this is as far as I can go in a thousand sermons, right? Because finally, I can't open your Bible for you at home. And I can't confront you to stop being afraid and trust the Lord's promises. It's Jesus who's inviting you personally in every one of those crises. Just like he invited Jairus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He's right there inviting. In every single circumstance. And he assures you in every one of those times, you will not be disappointed. Amen.